1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipshutz, and I am an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York, on the other line in Los Angeles, is the stuffing to my mashed potatoes, Keith Conville. How's it going, Keith? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. You have a good Thanksgiving break? Uh, yeah, I did. How was yours? It was good. That's good. It was good. Watched some football. There was some sort of my, uh,
2: Sixers action, I think.
1: Yeah, there was some Sixers action, yeah. man. Hey, look at you. Look at me. Yeah, Well, the Sixers, um, let, let's talk about basketball for a second. Yeah, let's. We talk yeah, about. let's do it. <laughs> uh, the Sixers are the worst team in the league. They have played, and they're my favorite team of all time. I love the my Philadelphia 76ers. They've played 17 games so far. We're recording this on Wednesday the 3rd. 17 games. Do you know how many games... They have won, Keith.
2: They've won a fat zero, I think, Jason.
1: They have won. Man, they're zero. on a hot streak.
2: They're on a really hot streak. They're on
1: that. They're on that L seventeen streak. It's been tough, but you know, we'll, um, we'll we'll talk about Sixers more next week when they get their first win. Anyway, we we got to talk about pop music, man. That's what this podcast is all about. It's called the Pop Shop Podcast, and. We have a lot to talk about. We, we always do, but we're going to talk about so many things today, man. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift. We're going to talk about Christmas music. We're going to talk about Selena Gomez and Bruno Mars. They are in the top 10 of the Hot 100. We're going to talk about what? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is on the Hot 100. The actress, the Oscar-winning actress? What no, the? No, that can't be right. Oh what? My. Wait, what?
3: What? No. What? What? I
1: can't believe that. We're going to talk about that. And we have an interview later today with Echo Smith, that's right, Echo Smith of Cool Kids fame, they stopped by our New York office for chat. They're they're awesome. They're like the coolest people ever. I know that their song is about wishing they were the Cool Kids, but they they actually are right now the Cool Kids. And so. they are
2: kids too, still basically. I mean, yeah, they're, very they're young. teenagers.
1: Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that in quite in, in just a second, man. But but first, we got to talk about. Something that's been dominating your world, it's been dominating all of our worlds as chart watchers, the new Billboard 200 Albums chart. Now, Keith, we didn't talk about this last week because we didn't have a regular show last week. We had an American Music Awards recap on on Monday of last week, and then we didn't have a Thursday show to talk about the charts. So we're talking about it now. It's a little bit of old news, but we still thought it was important to break down the changes of the billboard 200 albums chart a a long-running one of the you know one of the most well-known charts that billboard has to offer keith let's let's talk about it man there's been some changes to this chart what do they mean (laughs) keith take it away um
2: so as folks listening may or may not know uh we this week uh the 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 week of well the week ending the sales week ending november 30th and on Wednesday, December 3rd is when we're actually recording this, and this is the first day that we've revealed the new chart. Um, the new Billboard 200 chart is not a pure album sales chart anymore. Um, the chart has uh, for years always been a, an, al- an album chart that ranked the most popular albums in the country based on album sales, just you know, people who purchased full albums. Well, this week, we have revamped the chart so that its methodology includes not just album sales, but also on-demand streams and track sales. So what this means is, if you sell 10 tracks from a particular album, those 10 tracks would equate to one album sale. And if someone listens to 1,500 streams or if someones, you know, collectively listen to 1,500 streams of songs from a particular album, then that would count as one album sale. So it's kind of like, in a, in a way, it's kind of like the Hot 100 where we blend data together to get an overall ranking of the most popular albums in the country uh, based on these three different metrics, album sales, uh, track equivalent, uh, album sales and then uh, you know, streaming plays equivalent album sales. There's a lot of equivalents in there, um, we'll eventually get through the terminology mm-hmm. a little bit better as we go through this in the weeks coming. But right now, it's getting, it's it's a little hard to talk about it without just sort of tripping over your words over and over. But yes, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, this is like the biggest the biggest change to the Billboard 200 since 1991 when we introduced Nielsen SoundScan's accurate point of sale. Uh, Purchase information to the chart, so it's a very big deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a major change, and like you said, the uh, the one of the biggest changes of in the chart, maybe the biggest change in its 23 year history. Keith, in in terms of what brought this on, I mean, I know we at Billboard and you guys in the charts department always try to keep up with current trends, trying to track how people are actually digesting music. What what brought on this decision? um, I, I mean. Uh, just in terms of uh, a quick recap, was it just how albums are being listened to in, in terms of streaming, in terms of low album
2: sales? What what would you say? It's all that stuff. And and to clarify, the the Billboard 200 chart has been around for more than twenty three years. The Billboard chart, the Billboard 200 chart, has sort of in its current incarnation, um, you know, ranking popular albums has been around since the late fifties. And then we kind of had a big consolidated chart in 1963. Yeah. And then we had sort of the real big revise in 1991 when it became, um, you know, a sound scan driven chart. Um, that's w- my
1: bad. I said the 20, I, I know, I, I said the 23 year history. It's I cool. meant the 23 years at, you know, it's a sound, the sound scan. scan. Yeah. Era. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, man.
2: Well, no, it's okay. It's okay. We're all, it's a, it's a <laughs> learning process. Um, how long have the Sixers been around? I don't know. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the move was prompted because of, you know, some of the reasons that we talk about each week on the show. You know, album sales continue to go down and people are experiencing albums in different ways. And when I say experience, it's a fancy way of saying, you know, how you listen to albums or how you consume them. Um, you know, so the only way that we used to be able to sort of accurately track um, the popularity of albums in the ye olden days was – the purchase of an album. You know, before SoundScan existed, the charts were based on retailers telling us how something was selling. You know, it was, you know, brick and mortar retailers telling us, "Hey, this is our number 10 selling album of the week or this is our number 25 seller." And then we would average these, you know, reports together to get, you know, the top 200 albums. Things got a lot more exact in 1991 when we had accurate sales information to show how people were actually purchasing albums and how many of them they bought. And that was the only sort of real scientific metric that we had to show the popularity of full albums. Whereas with the Hot 100, you know, you could look at how singles were selling in stores, um, you know, what kind of radio airplay things were getting. And then, you know, in more recent years, you know, the, you know, streaming activity, you know, streams on Spotify and YouTube and, and other services. So the Hot 100 has always been, you know, a blended chart where we've been able to gauge – You know the popularity of songs overall because of the different ways you've been able to experience singles. Albums hasn't been the same thing, but in recent years, as streaming services have taken off, people are consuming albums in different ways. Um, You know we've looked at how we can improve the chart to make it a more reflective chart of how people are actually experiencing albums in 2014, Um, and we've been working on this for a long time. And it's it was just very hard to sort of get the math right and get you know, all of the data inputted correctly. Because um, there's a whole lot of number crunching that happens with this on the Nielsen side of things. So yeah. that was a very long-winded way of kind of answering what <laughs> your question was.
1: No, it, it makes total sense. And you guys, I, I know that you guys have been working on this for a very long time. I think you stepped time. away and
2: got some nachos while I was talking. I think that's what No,
1: no, it was some popcorn. Come okay. on. Popcorn. But, Ugh. but so, I, I mean, I was I was just going to say that you guys have been working on this for a very long time. Congrats to you know everybody uh, at on the chart team of Billboard. They, they, I know that this has been a huge, huge undertaking for you guys, um, and it, it looks great. It, it, how how does it? So this current Billboard 200 chart, Taylor Swift is back at number one with 1989. But no how surprise, do yeah. the current changes, the new changes, I should say, affect the current Billboard 200 chart? Well, I mean,
2: a, re- a really high charting obvious change is that Ariana Grande's album My Everything is number seven on the Billboard 200. It would not be in the top ten this week had it not been for the new methodology. Um, it would actually be somewhere in the teens um, had the Billboard 200 still be just you know, a pure sales chart. Um, so it works out well for, for certain artists and certain albums that move up the chart or actually re-enter the chart. Um, you know, If you scroll farther down the chart You see um, acts like, um, I think uh, there's uh, uh, Jason Derulo's Talk Dirty re-enters at number 56. And his album hasn't been a big seller in terms of just the full album itself. But he's really big with streams and track sales. And so, you know, the streams and those tracks, they all are housed on that album. They all come back to the album. Uh, So, you know, it's a way to sort of show how popular the entire Talk Dirty project is. Uh, Jason's album is called Talk Dirty. I may have already said that. So, yeah. it, you know, think of it this way: it's like you know, this album, you know, this position on the chart kind of represents how popular the album and all of its contents are in sort of a sort of a full scope way of looking at it. um And it's really interesting if you if if you guys look at the chart on Thursday in full on Billboard.com, um, you'll see a lot of interesting moves uh, up and down the chart. And I think it'll be really cool to see how this chart behaves going forward.
1: Very cool, man. Well, uh, again, for those who want to learn more about this go to bilber.com check out Keith's explanation about the Billboard 200 albums chart it's a huge change and it's yeah it's I mean it reflects the way that we're consuming music now we're consuming albums and streaming and you know picking and choosing different tracks and it's um, it's it's really fascinating stuff so check that out on Billboard.com. so Keith we we have to actually talk about some of these albums you mentioned Taylor Swift Ariana Grande climbing to number two. This week on the Billboard 200 album chart is Pentatonix. Yes, an acapella group is number two on the album chart. How much did that with a Christmas album? How much did that Christmas album sell this week? Well, I it
2: actually did 227,000 in equivalent units. Remember, remember the Billboard 200. Equivalent units. Yeah, it's it's total album equivalent units, which which blends together album sales, track sales, and streams. So. Of that, 128,000, um, sorry, 217,000 were just pure album sales. Um, the rest were streams and track sales. Um, it's it's a whole new world getting used to talking about these numbers in a different way.
1: Um, whole new world, man. But it's a, it's
2: a new chart high for Pentatonix, and I, I think it's kind of surprising to see this a cappella Christmas album at number two on the Billboard 200.
1: So, yeah, w- before the show, we started talking about Christmas releases, and I asked you if this is the biggest Christmas Christmas release this year because you every couple of years I feel like there's a there's a Christmas album that just becomes completely dominant you you remember Josh Groban had it a couple of years ago with Noel Michael Buble after that and Pentatonix is not on that level but would you say it's 2014's biggest holiday release album yeah yeah I mean so far this year I
2: think initially I think the the assumption was that Idina Menzel's new album Holiday Wishes was going to be the obvious Christmas yeah. you know, winner um, because you know she's the voice of Elsa from Frozen. She had that song "Let It Go." You know she has this big, you know, beautiful voice. You know she's, you know, it makes sense. Um, Frozen, Idina, Christmas, duh but then Pentatonix comes along and and they're number 2 and Idina this week is actually number 13. So, yeah. At the moment, it seems like Pentatonix has the heat. Um, has the heat in this chilly wintry time.
1: Hey. I don't I'm not sure that there are enough fans of Idina Menzel as a musical artist to really make her the no-brainer Christmas album release of the year. I mean, on paper it's like, yeah, like you said, it's like, yeah, she she was Elsa in Frozen. And she had Let It Go, which is a huge hit. And she's been everywhere this year. And she's a huge Broadway star with a huge theater following. But you're but right. You're right. Yeah, it's just, it's just tough. It's not like like last year you have Kelly Clarkson. Wrapped in Red was one of the bigger Christmas releases of that year. But, you know, that's Kelly Clarkson. She has a huge musical fan base.
2: No, you're right. I mean, Idina Menzel is... is, is frozen is popular if it was exactly, frozen yeah. sings the holiday classics that would be a huge number one <laughs> album but it's not it's idina menzel whose voice Olaf the snowman yeah, oh singing. my god the, the, an olaf kind of christmas that would be oh huge oh my god
1: that would have been huge like yeah.
2: in winter not instead of in summer it'd be great but the thing is people aren't making people aren't necessarily making that connection um you know they're they, they aren't making that leap um to becoming idina menzel fans so you know i i was one of the i guess folks that thought it made sense on paper but i think i was making too quick of a jump to go from frozen if you know if you're associated with frozen therefore you must have a hit record I'm like nope not yeah. necessarily
1: yeah yeah i mean uh, it's it's just been kind of a quiet year for christmas albums as a whole right that, that's kind of yeah. the way it struck me
2: yeah no i mean really the the biggest things this year are Pentatonics and idina menzel um after that you know it's it's really you know previous christmas albums like michael buble's christmas album from a couple years ago is still selling well this week um it's number 15 on the billboard 200 so um you know it, we're, we're lacking uh you know I, I think you know maybe carrie underwood could have done a christmas album instead of greatest hits and that thing would have flown off of shelf
1: selena gomez man
2: yeah instead of a greatest Hits, so selena gomez
1: kind of christmas selena gomez kind of christmas, gomez, christmas. <laughs> i don't know why i keep Who? saying
2: kind of christmas
1: it just sounds good i don't know why who should who whose Christmas album would you buy?
2: Oh see every it, I always love talking about this every year because it's like it's like if you get to play a and R like you know <laughs> if you could like you know convince one of your artists on your label to put out an album that's a Christmas album who would you yeah. who would you do? um I mean, the Holy Grail would be like Adele doing Christmas music. can you imagine yeah um, a beyonce Christmas album would be great. I mean Destiny's Child's Christmas album, you know I'm sure a lot of people love that, but a beyonce Christmas album that would be pretty pretty fierce um a uh i don't know a uh a one direction christmas album i mean if instinct yeah. could do it you know and they have found a lot of success with their christmas album why not one direction i
1: i always really appreciate the weird christmas releases like one of my favorites is is um, a death row kind Stevens. Of christmas. <laughs> yeah death row kind of christmas well yeah you have um i mean kanye put out an awesome christmas song in 2010 right after dark twisted fantasy called christmas in harlem um if he did like a full christmas album i know he would never do that but it'd be amazing um yeah i was gonna say the um some indie artists like i enjoy when indie artists do like weird christmas stuff like Sufjan stevens did something in like 2007 and uh yeah man i, I mean i i would would i would you listen to a very bjork christmas i i sure as hell would
2: Christmas, quiet. (laughs) Jingles, (laughs) jingle bells. Nah. No, I probably wouldn't. Christmas,
1: it's so cold. (laughs) I'm cold. (laughs) Christmas, man. We (laughs) have to make this happen. A very Bjork Christmas. (laughs) A very Bjork Christmas. All right. So anyway, we um we got to move on, man, to the Hot 100 blank space by taylor swift is still number one hey taylor swift is is just collecting these weeks at number one like it's just no big deal no big deal another week at number one for taylor swift this time with blank space which of course replaced shake it off atop the hot 100 a couple weeks ago so keith i want to talk about new two new songs uh that are in the top 10 this week selena gomez the heart wants what it wants now it, it debuted in the top 40 it's been growing a little bit. Now it is in the top 10. Yeah. And what, what do you make of this, man? What what? Why is it in the top 10 this week? Is it just, is it radio? Is it working at radio? Well, it's,
2: it's actually, it goes 20 to six on the Hot 100. That matches her highest peak ever on the chart when um Come and Get It also reached number yeah. six. Um, it's actually up across the board in sales, airplane, and streams. I think a lot of it has to do with her performance on the American Music Awards, um, on the 23rd, um, it was performance that got a lot of attention Yeah, that drove sales, that drove streams, that drove airplay. Um, I think it's just, you know, the right combination of factors and elements. Um, you know, it, it could, I don't know if it's going to sustain this sort of momentum because everything is kind of crazy this week because you have Thanksgiving and you have the American music awards and you know, a lot of shakeups. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's doing really well. So it wasn't just like a one week sort of, Oh, it's just because of streams. No,
1: it's up across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because uh, we talked about this on the post AMA show that we did that it's just kind of like a, a an offbeat hit for her because it's it's this ballad. It's mid tempo. I think it's great. Like I, this song has really grown on me in the past couple of weeks. And but it's yeah, it's not like what we're used to from Selena Gomez, uh, which is come and get it, which is stuff from Stars Dance. Love You Like a Love Song. This is something very somber and personal, and it's probably about Justin Bieber. Has it been confirmed that it's about Justin Bieber? I think so. I, I She was on when she premiered the
2: song on um, Brian Seacrest's show. I think she effectively said that it was about her sort of feelings and thoughts. And I mean, I, I don't have the exact words, but I'm pretty sure that it was implied to be about him and Ryan actually specifically asked her, like, has Justin heard the song? You know, what does he say about it? You know, uh, and so I'm pretty sure it's about
1: Justin. And she, I guess, she wrote the song like a year ago. Yeah. And what it, if she, what, what if she was like, I wrote this while I was chilling by the fire, eating fondue, and, and we were like, oh my god, it's about Bieber.
2: Wait, is that a Justin reference?
1: Yeah, man. Boyfriend, chilling She's by like, the fire, yeah, man. eating fondue. Yeah, man, you don't know your Bieber lyrics? No, I don't. <laughs> I certainly don't. We're gonna we're gonna have a separate podcast about the Sixers, Sixers and Bieber and Justin Bieber, <laughs> Bieber lyrics. So, Keith, I I, you, I was thinking about this song over Thanksgiving weekend and thinking about songs that they d- debut in the upper reaches of the Hot 100, and if that's kind of like a new measure of star power now now hear me out on this because you think about a song like shake it off taylor swift huge huge launch and it debuts at number one on the hot 100 she's a huge star she's able to push a song to number one on the hot 100 then you think about uh, someone like selena gomez who has you know this new single the heart wants what it wants it's on a greatest hits compilation and that debuts in the 20s of the hot 100 and i I think i just think it's interesting that like it's almost i was thinking about it almost as like a measure of your star power if you think of someone like I, i remember another one i thought of was like fifth harmony who have a very rabid fan base when their new their single boss debuted a couple months ago that was in the 40s and everyone was like oh wow that's kind of a high debut but they you know they have people that that are you know want to lap their music up what what do you think about this am am i crazy off base here that you think the hot
2: 100 is a good gauge
1: of the popularity of people i think that's a great way of (laughs) looking at it i'm saying that when (laughs) when like the debut positions of lead singles from major artists can shed some insight into their popularity their current popularity
2: well that's sort of a broad topic I mean it's yeah I guess so I mean I'm I'm not poo-pooing it I'm just saying that it's 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 often misleading because you know you have artificially high debuts you know because you have like banked in you know pre-orders or you have you know yeah. a, a rabbit like you know you put out like a lyric video on YouTube or you know so something debuts at like 20 and then it falls off the chart like four weeks later um so is you know is that Is that really like an indication to the popularity or of the popularity of an artist just because you were able to sustain like one week or two weeks on the chart, like at number 24, and then you fell to 60 the next week? Um, I think it's more about, you know, it's a combination of where you debut, your sustained momentum, how long you spend on the chart, and if you move up Um, because – I like to compare it to things like, you know, when people trumpet, you know, the idea of I'm top 10 on the iTunes chart, like, yeah, for the next 15 minutes, like, check back with me in a few hours or days or in a week. And, you know, so it's, it's, but everything is so quick these days. So, you know, you know, just because you have a rabid fan base that gets you to debut at number 40, what does that mean? Well, you have a rabid fan base, that can get you to number 40, but do you have any fans outside of that? Can you can you move the needle any further? Um, can you be Taylor Swift? Well, not everyone can be Taylor Swift, but can you move up? Can you know Nick Jonas was able to find a hit, like a real hit record. With jealous, which yeah. is incredibly surprising. No offense to Nick Jonas, but that's incredibly surprising that he's been able to do what he's done. And it, and it wasn't just a one-week thing where like all of his little Jonas fans like came out of the woodwork and like <laughs> pushed it onto the chart. Like, oh my God, the video is so amazing. Well, after that, after like a week of that or two weeks, you don't have it anymore, and you need to find new people to come on board and like embrace the song and like buy the music or listen to it. And that's what's happened. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just rambling.
1: No, no, I, I, I totally hear you. And kind of circling this all the way back to Selena Gomez, you can see that she has the proven fan base to help her debut a song like The Heart Wants What It Wants in the top 30 of the Hot 100. But she also has the sustainability behind the song to get it now into the top 10 a couple weeks after its debut. So it's it's kind of the best of both worlds for her. Um, Keith, another song I want to talk about in the top 10 this week Uptown Funk, another song I adore. Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars, and I guess the same question is: is what helped it uh, dive into the top ten this week? Uh, I know it was on; they were on SNL performing a couple weeks ago, but and it it has been rising since then. But yeah, what is just, a, What are you saying? It's just
2: an instant out of the box, as they as we used to say, record. That's a smash. You know, it's it's up. Yeah, it's up in AirPlay streams and sales. It's it it it, it has massive hit written all over it it just sounds like it's a hit um and people say that but i mean when you listen to this you're like it's so infectious like there's no way this will not become a huge hit i think the only danger is that you know its sales you know could sort of peak before its airplay catches up but i think it's just going to be sort of one of those unstoppable things where it seems like it has its sights set on number one um it's still a couple weeks away i think from number one um but yeah i mean it's it's just sort of a a undeniable hit
1: well, yeah, that's what I, I it's funny because I, I have in my notes, like, what do you see dethroning blank space in the coming weeks? And, you know, starting off 2015 as at number one, kind of in those the same way that like I remember last year, like Timber was the first real, real hit of 2014. I was like, all right, this is this is the first real hit. And I kind of feel like that might happen with Uptown Funk. It's in the top 10 now. I agree with you. It's just a surefire hit. Yeah. I quick side note, man. uh, A couple days ago, we had our holiday uh, party at Billboard in in our New York office. Had a great time, and it was on a Monday night. Not sure why it was on a Monday night, but hey, there we go. And it's like a little little dig at whoever booked it on a Monday. No, no. It was just like it, it was more of a it was more of a. Everyone was very tired on Tuesday. Let's use the word tired there. But anyway, so we're, we're at the holiday party and there's a dance floor and everyone's like not really into the dance floor. Not, you know, Everyone, like there's a couple people who threw themselves into it. Everyone else is kind of like, uh, I don't know. But then the DJ drops Uptown Funk and I'm like, all right, we... I got to dance this song. Like that, that's, that was my reaction. I was like, I have to dance this song. And I did very awkwardly, as I, as I'm known to do, but I did it anyway. Anyway, top 10 hit, man. So, Keith, just, just outside that. of the top 10, mm-hmm. is this actress. And she's won an Oscar. She's been a nominated for a couple Oscars now. And her name is Jennifer Lawrence. And she has a top 20 hit with Hi. Hi. The Hanging Tree. From the score, not the soundtrack, the score of the Hunger Games: Mockingjay, Part One. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. whoa, man! Whoa. I, I mean, listen, I I've been a fan of Jennifer Lawrence since Winter's Bone. I never thought that she was going to have a top twenty hit on the Hot 100. But that I don't is, think
2: she would have either.
1: <laughs> that is that is our new that is the new world we're living in. What is going on with this, Keith? What, how how did this happen?
2: Yeah, the the highest debut of the week on the Billboard Hot 100. It is... The Hanging Tree, uh, which is by James Newton Howard, uh, who did the score for *Mockingjay*, uh, featuring Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, the song is featured in the movie in a key scene uh, where it starts off as an a cappella performance uh, by uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and then it swells into um, a sort of a full fledged song with um, a choir and an, and an orchestra, and and it's kind of like like. Mumfordy mountain music ish, folky thing kind of meets <laughs> orchestra. Um, the song, the song was written by um, the lyrics were written by the author of the book because the lyrics are actually in the book, uh, Suzanne Collins, and then the music was written by two members of the Lumineers who wrote the um, the melody to go along with it. Uh, the The song is actually only on the score album uh, to the movie, not the the traditional multi artist soundtrack. Um, yeah, so that's why it debuts this week as opposed to the week earlier, because the score album didn't actually come out until last Monday, like a week after the soundtrack came out. Um, And then, you know, I noticed it on iTunes last week, suddenly it was like top three. I'm like, well, what the heck's going on? And then I realized, oh, wait, (laughs) it's that song from the movie. Um, It ended up selling uh, like more than 200,000 downloads uh, for the week, um, which helped enable it to debut at number 12. But it's it's crazy to see this song. Um, you know, that's a really unusual song that's performed by someone who is not, you know, would not consider herself a professional singer. Um, debut at number 12 on the Hot 100 chart. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it's 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 ironic because you think of the Hunger Games Mockingjay soundtrack, the, the traditional original soundtrack, and it's loaded with artists that appear on the Hot 100. You have, you know, especially namely lord uh somehow the hanging tree is a bigger hit on the hot 100 than yellow flicker beat which was a lead single that has a proper music video it was performed at the american music awards and people have gravitated toward this jennifer lawrence song that is uh, prominently featured in the movie have you have you seen the movie i haven't seen it yet
2: i have not i was trying to dance around the fact that i hadn't actually seen the movie but thanks for oh, outing me there
1: Hey, man, I, I'm always happy to, but there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> the, the I've seen, I've seen the two first weeks.
2: two. I'm going to see this one. I just so, haven't seen it yet.
1: I know, man. I know. I, I, I got to see it, too. I love the first two. And the thing is, I, I was listening to this first the, this song for the first time last week when you posted that story that was like, hey, this is actually going to debut on the Hot 100. So I listened to the song. Jennifer Lawrence is sort of a great singer. Like, she's... She's definitely in that kind of Zoe Deschanel mold of like she can carry a tune really, really well. Yeah, no, and I, it, she, she can. She can
2: sing. It's nice. It's nice. It's a nice yeah. melody. And she was bashing herself on Letterman a week or so ago saying, oh, it was the worst day ever. I cried on the set. I didn't want to sing. And it's just, you know, she's being a little bit hard on herself.
1: I know. Jeez. So do you think that this is like... Sort of like a one-week phenomenon, like Jimmy Fallon mm. and Will I Am had with Ew. Well, I like, don't. know. Do just in terms of the chart placement, I, I should say. Well,
2: I think I don't know. I mean, they're they're going to start working it to radio. The record label, Republic Records, they're going to start working the song to radio um, now, like immediately. I think so. It could actually get some life on the radio. I'm not sure, you know, what kind of stations would necessarily play it, but I mean, it's Jennifer Lawrence. It's from The Hunger Games. It could. It could certainly be a surprise hit. I mean, we've seen random songs from movies that you didn't expect to become hits like oh, I don't know, Cups from Pitch Perfect become hits. Yeah.
1: So, who knows what could happen with this one? We shall see. I want to see an uh, I want to see a Jennifer Lawrence Anna Kendrick tour. I think that'd be really funny. Be a very short tour, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you go and it's like a 10-minute Tour and then you go home and that's it. You're they like, can just do right, stand
2: up. Cool. They're both very funny ladies, so that could just be fun too.
1: <laughs> I love it. Anyway. All right, well, we will keep an eye on the hanging tree and new songs from Selena Gomez, Mark Ronson, Bruno Mars, and many more. But Keith, we got to get to this Echo Smith interview. So Echo Smith had a top twenty hit, kind of out, of, uh, a little bit out of nowhere, a surprise hit with Cool Kids, and it's a little bit outside of the top twenty right now. But it it was a it's a radio hit and they stopped by they're a four piece band from california they are three brothers and one sister and they were they were great and they they've been they've been doing this for so so long they've been you know warp tour veterans they've been i believe this is like their seventh or eighth year as a band and they're all teenagers so
2: they started when they were like embryos or what
1: yeah they started when i i, I don't know if i i think i asked this off the podcast but oh. I asked when they started like actually playing as a band and one of them was like yeah when i was like seven i learned guitar and i was like oh my Good god grief. like i was like when i was seven i was like just running around like an idiot in i've my got backyard. Lincoln logs <laughs> 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 anyway they, they were great and they talked about you know very very gradually growing their audience and having this surprise hit on the top 20 of the hot 100 so here is echo smith on the pop show podcast <laughs> There seems to be so much interest in you guys, and it seems like you guys, the profile of this band is just growing at a, a really rapid rate. I mean, do you feel that like from show to show, from day to day, as this song keeps doing so well, do you do you feel like more and more eyeballs on you guys?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see that even though we have been doing this whole band thing for Probably, you know, seven years now. It's cool to see that things are starting to change. And since we're touring nonstop, we get to literally see that process happen before our eyes. And, you know, we're playing shows almost every day. So we get to see that gradual change and getting to see more and more people connecting and more random quote-unquote famous people, you know, finding out who you are and actually liking your music. Um, So it's little things like that that you get to really notice and get to see, especially when you're on the road. Um, And it has been happening, you know, a lot more, especially in the past few months just because of radio and, I don't know, the way that it's connecting with fans. So I mean... It's been so crazy to get to see that and we're literally able to watch it which is pretty awesome.
1: That is awesome. I mean w- so what has this this process been like you said you've been a band for 7 years. It's been a crazy couple months for you guys. And like in terms of, you know, 2 years ago, 3 years ago, 4 years ago, was there kind of waiting for this moment was it was it a process of just kind of riding it out until this moment or yeah what was it like how different is today versus a couple years ago for you guys
0: i mean like for us because we started and we were really young when we started we you know the first venues we played were like like chick-fil-as and malls and uh no, wait you guys played at, you
1: guys played at a chick-fil-a those were some really? of our like
0: most often gigs really yeah we'd get they'd give us a platter of chicken nugget, the chicken nugget things and that would be our pay Literally, I'm oh not my kidding. god! So we'd get two. I think two platters of it, like of the fifty. There's or the 100. four of you
1: guys. You need two pl- at least two at least platters.
0: Two. And uh, like you know, we, like <laughs> that was the very beginning of everything. We started playing all these shows, and we were just kind of playing wherever we could. Because when you're young, there's only so many places you can go. Like the Roxy won't want to have you. Like you know, let's go have these young kids come play. They yeah. Come play show. Let's do it for the first time. So like we had to kind of build it that way and try playing. Like we played on like a loading dock at one time. Like we've done all these different kind of things. <laughs> Grocery store and like. We just played everywhere we could, and eventually, like, we started being able to play at more places. And, you know, like, even, like, three years ago, we had to beg our friends to come to shows, and we'd have, like, ten people at a concert, and we'd be, like, super stoked, even though they're all our friends, and it took, like, weeks of convincing to get them to it. And now we're at the point, too, it's like, that's kind of the thing that amazes us the most is that, like, it's so hard to get people to come to a show and to get friends or family members to come, like, see you play for 30 minutes even. And the fact now that people are coming to come to our show and they're paying for tickets and like, you know, we're playing tonight and it's a sold out show for like 600 people or yeah. something over that. 650. And the fact that all those people like a month and a half ago sold that out, I mean, that's just kind of mind blowing. And that's what, you know, that's the cool thing what what Cindy was saying. It was like, you get to actually see it grow and we're visually seeing because there's more, the crowds are getting bigger and there's more people singing again. Yeah. Like visually, it's very visual.
1: So take me through the the process of of writing Cool Kids. You guys all write these songs together, correct? Yes. So, so where like where did the inspiration for Cool Kids come from?
3: Yeah, well, that song. It's it's funny. We you know we're just writing a whole bunch of songs, trying to actually put an album together, and um, yeah, we we started really getting this groove of like we started write songs that all kind of made sense for all of us, and then Cool Kids kind of just came from this this idea of that we've all gone through, you know, the idea of you want to, you want to fit in, or, like, there's, you see something, you're like, oh, I wish I could do that, and even, like, you know, when you're starting off as a band, it's like, geez, like, I wish we could play an actual club, or play an actual venue, and, so, you know, I think everybody goes through that, in like, every walk of life, and, so, for us, like, we just wrote that song as song that we related to, and, um, we didn't really think too much of it, I mean, it took us a while to actually finish it, we just kind of, like, kept going back to it, and, um, yeah, and it's, like, we would play it live, and then, like, we'd take it a little bit. And then, like, as we... I put it out, like, a year and a half ago, like, yeah. for free. And and then, you know, we were just playing, and then we just started to see, like, people were, like, catching on to that song, and it was the first time, because we used to do covers to do that. Like, we would throw a cover in the set, so people would sing along, and, okay, this is cool. And then, all of a sudden, Cool Kids, like, started to grow, like, over this past year and a half, and it's been that song that people sing along with. So, it's, it's a trip to have that, and it was definitely, like, it's a slow boil for that to happen, but um, it's it's been yeah I guess it's boiling now so
1: absolutely I, I read an interview with you guys that that um, I think Cindy you said that cool kids almost didn't make the album like you guys were debating putting it in the album
4: yeah I mean Jamie kind of touched on that a little because we were going back to that song so many times just editing the lyrics and really making sure that it was getting the right message across um, and you know that it was perfect because it did mean a lot to us. Um, and, you know, we didn't necessarily know, you know, how fans are going to react. And you never know.
1: Yeah.
4: There's people who write songs like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a smash or a hit or whatever. You're going to be a, a star. Oh, yeah. Everybody hears that, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and... You know, we heard that so many times, you know, before we got signed or whatever. You guys are going to be so big soon. And, you know, it took seven years, and that's totally fine. And um, anyway, with that song, you know, it's just another round of patience for this band um, to really just finish it off and to make sure that it was right. And we finally pushed through and finished the song. And, I mean, the fans were the ones who chose it to be a single, honestly. We didn't even know that that would be the one. We, you know, kind of maybe... Thought, oh, maybe this song will be a single, but we never guessed Cool Kids, not once. Mm. And uh, anyway, so it was really amazing to see that something unexpected happened. And like I said, as we were playing shows, you got to see that that song in particular was the one that was gaining more popularity. And, you know, people were listening to it more on Spotify and buying it instead of just getting it for free, which was crazy. Um, so, I mean, it was a really interesting process, but I'm happy we went through it because in the end, I think the song has become way better now. Be
1: Thanks again to those guys at Echo Smith for stopping by and check out um, check out their, their whole debut album because Cool Kids is, is a great song. It's the standout song, but they have a ton of worthy material as well. Keith, we got to wrap this up, man. Is it time? I think it's time for your Charts Out of the Week.
2: Hey, it's like the sort of the disco version. I don't know what I'm doing there. Wow. Um,
1: that was like the Giorgio Moroder remix. <laughs>
2: I feel love, I feel chart stats, I feel them all over me. I <laughs>
1: feel, char- feel charts. Yeah. yeah. I feel
2: charts. Okay, so we're actually going to move on now. Um, that was it, that was all. No, uh, the chart stat of the week this week is sort of a bonus to what we talked about earlier, about Jennifer Lawrence. J-Law. So, you know, obviously her achievement is amazing by debuting at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 with the Hanging Tree, uh, just in the fact that she's not a You know, pop singer. She's an actress, sort of turned singer momentarily for this film role. But she shares something in common uh, with a very elite group of people. Uh, A group of people who have charted a single on the Billboard Hot 100, in addition to also having won an Academy Award for acting. It's a very, very small group of people who have actually won an Academy Award for acting and also charted a Hot 100 hit. Jason can you guess how many people have actually done both in the history of the hot 100 chart since 1958 how many people have actually pulled off the feet of those two distinctions
1: man I'm trying to think
2: um, you can you just give me know, a number maybe
1: like f- maybe five
2: a, l- a little low it's actually 13 just 13 just okay. 13 and I because the because the list is so brief I can actually tell you who they all are cool uh, Jennifer Lawrence, obviously. Yeah. And then, then some obvious ones that you probably can think of. Cher. Yeah, share is the first one that jumps to Share Cher's easy. Uh, Barbara Streisand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's easy. Uh, Jamie Foxx, remember? He won Best Actor for Ray. Yeah. yeah. Um, Frank Sinatra. That's sure. kind of a gimme. Uh, Julie Andrews. A, a little. She had one small minor hit on the Hot 100, but she did win an Academy Award, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, Burl Ives. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I think people forget that he won an Academy Award. Bing Crosby. Yeah, that kind of makes sense.
1: Um, yeah, um, see, I said five, not thinking of of the Frank Sinatras and right. the Bing Crosby. Like th- right, those, yeah.
2: like those, those. Oh right, Sinatra. I forgot. Um, yeah. George Burns. Yeah. Whoever would have thought George Burns would have had a Hot 100 hit, but he did in 1980. Um, Jennifer Hudson, J. Hud. That's of kind of an obvious one, of course. Um, Shirley Jones as part of the Partridge family uh, with a a a number of hits, including I Think I Love You. And then more recently, and here's ones that people probably wouldn't realize. Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep both charted on the Hot 100. Um, Anne Hathaway did with I Dreamed a Dream from Les Miserables. And Meryl Streep charted with Mamma Mia from the musical Mamma Mia. So there you go. There you go. There's your chart stat of the week. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence joins an elite group of people who have won an Academy Award for acting as well as having charted a Hot 100 single.
1: There you go, man. And Anna Kendrick was, I think, nominated, right? Nominated for for
2: an Academy Award. Up in the air. But she did not win, so she's not part of this group. I'm sorry, Anna. Not yet.
1: Not yet. Not yet. All right, man. Thank you for your chart stat of the week. All right. We have to get out of here we have to get out of here man this has been a fun pop shop podcast I missed this whole charts rambling breakdown last week but we are back and we have a couple more fun shows planned before the end of the year Keith do you have any parting words go Sixers go Sixers I hey man that, that I appreciate that let's uh let's go out on the uh let's play the Sixers theme song I knew there's a uh, there. <laughs> let's do the Sixers theme song the one two three four five Sixers thanks for listening and take care